Hello, everybody. Welcome. This is a King Heroes Journey podcast interview that I'm doing with Mr. Jerry Morzinski today. Before we jump in and, and say hello and I ask him to introduce himself, I just want to say thank you for coming as we uh, wait for people to come on. We're actually not going to wait. I always like to start immediately. Uh, just for the sake of those who have come first. So Sue and Eric and Israel, thanks for saying hi in the in the chat already. Great to see you guys. Just so you know, if you haven't seen one of these interviews before, the King Heroes that I host, they are out in, uh, off, out, yeah, I'll say like, off on a limb, <laughs> or what's the expression? They're walking on the plank, or they're they're out there. And the tendency is to be saying and talking about the things that are not popular, that other people either don't want to look at or they don't want to deal with, especially the subjects that they tend to cover. People don't necessarily relate to them in the mainstream. You're not going to find this stuff on on the news or necessarily in any movie or in any popular book. This is definitely a subject that won't be covered there. But I was very fortunate in the first place to have connected with Jerry, I believe with James True's channel in the beginning. And uh, if you don't know me yet, my name is Beth Martins. I am a coach for people that are themselves looking to tell the truth, looking to get out into the world to either you know, be valued for their purpose or just simply to be in a, a place of engagement with their sacred purpose. Because the reason is, from my perspective, if we were all to be engaged with our sacred purpose, the way my guest is, uh, who's here today, Jerry, is, then this world would look like a different place. We would not be able to be controlled by a, a nanny state. We would be sovereign. We would answer to God directly. Hello to Kelly. Hello to, to Channel News. Hello, Vonich. Where is your wrench? Oh my gosh, you don't have a wrench. I'm totally going to give you a wrench. And uh, here we go. Anybody that uh, I get to know gets a wrench. There you go. Awesome. So Mr. Jerry Marzinski, thank you so much for joining me for this interview today. I welcome you here. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I've, I've been working in the uh, places that most people wouldn't be allowed into for most of my life. Uh, last 35 years, I spent working in the biggest state hospital in, on the planet. Um, there were probably 12,000 patients there when I got there. Mm. Um, from there, I went to uh, working in mental health centers and then working in the psychology department of a large state prison. Um, then working uh, in private hospitals as a therapist and working in the ERs as a um, psychiatric uh, evaluator. And uh, pretty much the whole time I've, uh, I've been encountering paranoid schizophrenics. Um, mm -hmm. it's, schizophrenia is one of the top 10 health problems in the world. And, uh, Paranoid schizophrenia is the biggest segment of them. And, and, you know, these people are considered clinically insane by psychiatry. And in the U.S., there's 2.8 million of them. Um, and the, the prisons are full of them. So since they closed the state hospitals here, which were at least trying to help these guys, 
now the prisons have become the state hospitals. And mm. after spending time in there, they come out much worse for the most part. Uh, they're given minimal drugs, if any. Uh, and, uh, you know, the prisons have become the state hospitals. Um, the U.S. was spending about $90.71 on research, and they've gotten nowhere since the inception of psychiatry. Matter of fact, all the way back to, you know, the Greek days with Hippocampus, they, Hippocrates, they, they haven't found a cause or a cure for schizophrenia. Now, we, we, I'm talking paranoid schizophrenia here. There's different kinds, but paranoid is one of the biggest segments. And we, we know what the cause and the cure is, but it's so strange that it, it, it would make the list of top science fiction stories, if you were ever to write it totally out, um, requires a different way of thinking about this disorder. Uh, so psychiatry and the, the drug establishment, big pharma, medical establishment have no idea what the cause of this devastating disorder is. Hmm. Uh, and they just make up causes. They blamed it on women. They blamed it on mothers. They blamed it on childbearing practices. Hmm. Uh, they blamed it on hysteria. They, they blamed it on uh, genetics. They blamed it on chemical imbalances in the brain, which have proved totally false. They just make things up to, for people to, to think they know what's going on. And uh, the drug companies, even though these, these drugs do not cure anything, they merely suppress psychotic symptoms. They're mm -hmm. making some $3.7 billion a year selling these toxic antipsychotic drugs mm -hmm. that rot out the patient's peripheral nervous system um, and cure absolutely nothing. All they do is suppress the psychotic symptoms. Um, and they, they play this off as, oh, it's a chemical imbalance in their brain. Which, which has proved totally, totally false. And a number of psychiatrists and professors have come up saying this is, this is far from true. Mm -hmm. that, that rumor was started by Eli Lilly when they came out with Prozac and the SSRI uh, inhibitors. So, so what they're saying is they would stop the breakdown of serotonin uh, in the brain and they would block off the receptor sites that destroyed the serotonin. So there was more stimulation for the nerves but they can't prove any of that you know it, it was just something they made up to sell drugs and i really don't think they want a cure because uh what the u.s did is they were they went they were spending ninety dollars and 71 cents a year per schizophrenic on research in the u.s they were spending like three times that on Alzheimer's and a number of other diseases. So they got criticized for that. So they changed the stats. They went in there and the National Institute of Mental Health changed the number of schizophrenics in the U.S. to only 750,000. So they made 200 million or 2 million schizophrenics disappear. And now they could claim they were spending $324 per schizophrenic. And, and, they're doing nothing. They're virtually yeah. doing nothing. Wow. Uh, so th th I don't think they want a cure. They, it, it, you know, making $3.7 billion a year, they're not going to want to hear that the cure for schizophrenia is free and just knowing what causes it and what to do about it. People are recovering. Yeah. Uh, Sherry Sweeney, the co-author of my book, she, she 
struggled through this as a young woman for years, mm-hmm. found the same things I was finding basically out on the front line of clinical practice and destroyed the voices that were trying to destroy her. Mm-hmm. So when we met, it's like uh, uh, a matter of fact, we knew each other for 10 years before she told me she was hearing voices as a young woman. Mm-hmm. So, so that's one of the things about this, disorder is there is no positive outcome for people who are hearing voices to tell others. It, it's, uh, it's fairly dangerous for them. Uh, they lose friends, their family get upset, people back away from them. Um, they, people think they're weird. Uh, then they're eventually drug up before a psychiatrist. Psychiatrist looks at them and gives them a, say, well, you're insane. There's nothing can be done about it except uh, take these toxic drugs we have for you. They mm-hmm. fairly, I, I've never seen a psychiatrist voluntarily tell them about the nasty side effects of these drugs, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the dangers of them. I mean, they, they can actually kill you uh, if, if not used right. Um, I hear you. I hear you. Uh, just a quick little story to share. I, I recently met an elderly woman. She's 90 years old. And she said that in her, um, I think her 20s, she was diagnosed with some kind of mental illness. I didn't ask any details about that. Uh, they they put her in the hospital. And uh, and then she started to have a bunch of um, pain in her, in her leg. And, and it was systematically going through her leg. And they kept saying, um, oh, she, she kept saying, I have an infection. And they kept saying, no, you have a mental illness. Here's your antipsychotic drugs. And the disease got so bad, she almost died of it. And finally, there was an, a, a, another doctor that said, oh, you have an infection. She had to spend something like two months hooked up to an antibiotic, almost lost her leg. Uh, it was like horrendous, right? They labeled her with uh, mental illness. And I mean, she may have by that point had it, but uh um, I'd love to know what inspired you in the first place, Jerry, to do this extremely brave King Hero work. Well, uh, I, I guess first of all, going back is the way I was raised. I never trusted authority, and and that was kind of banged into my head time after time after time. Mm-hmm. And you know, uh, as I entered college. Uh, the only thing that really interested me was psychology. But what I hated about it was that there was no way to witness anything they were saying. You know, here's this book full of all this stuff. And and for the most part, you couldn't test it except for experimental psychology. You could go into a rat lab and, and you could do what they said to do and, and you get the results you were, you were getting. The rest of it was just very soft stuff. And, um, you know, you look in the back of those books and it's this professor got the information from this professor who got it from this professor who got it from this professor who got it from this professor. And it was like very few of them were actual frontline clinicians. So I ran into some stuff in undergraduate school um, that just didn't make sense. Uh, One of which was that schizophrenics were so disorganized that they could do no useful planning. And and I'm like, well, that's, that's kind of off the deep end. Um, What was the other one? Oh, the other one was um, 
that if two schizophrenics have uh, met and had the same delusion, that one of them would have to give up their delusion and back off. So here's a suspicion, and I, I held those things in mind. Uh, so here's all these things that are not making sense. And here's the rest that I can't really check out, but I found fairly interesting. And when I hit abnormal psychology, I just went, bam, that I was fascinated. Mm-hmm. But they didn't have any cures. They, they had these. Oh, you there? Yes. Can you still hear me? Yeah, I think I'm going to have to touch this thing every once in a while because I got this 15-minute thing on the computer or something turns it off. Okay. Uh, so fast forward uh, probably 15, 20 years, uh, I was on the psych ward at the state hospital doing my rounds, and a new guy came onto the uh, onto the unit, and he was talking to himself. He was carrying on a conversation. Uh, and I didn't recognize them. And, and one of my jobs was to kind of catch up with the new guys, see what they're all about. Were they going to cause trouble? Are they on meds? What meds are they on? You know, who are they and, and what can we expect out of them? So I kind of crept up behind this guy and I'm hearing, uh, listening to his conversation. And it was, it, it, he was actually talk, carrying on a conversation with somebody. It was like listening to one side of a telephone conversation. You know, you, you could hear his side and then he'd respond and then he'd, you know, but you couldn't hear the other side. So I'm, I'm listening to this and then he, then he saw me and I introduced myself. I said, I'm, you know, I'm your psych for this unit. I just kind of wanted to, you look new. I just wanted to meet you and uh, what's your name? And he looks me in the eye and he goes, well, I'm Jesus Christ. And I go, oh, I go look him in the eye and I say, no, you're not because I am. <laughs> and I'm watching him like, and okay, I'm going to check this out. Let's see yeah. what happens. You know, let's, let's watch and see what happens. And he, he looks puzzled that he, he's kind of looks around and he thinks about it. And then he looks at me and he goes, okay, we can both be Jesus Christ. And he scoots off. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, got him on that one. What other lies did they tell me? You know, and uh, mm. then, then came another one. Um, so, so I'm catching him in, in, you know, each one of these I catch, it's like, okay, if, the, if they told me lies about this and, and I'm suspicious about this other crap, you know, and, and then I find another one. And that other one was schizophrenics are too disorganized to plan out anything. And the way this one came about is um, we were each assigned to a, a different psychiatric unit. And, and I had a friend who was working in a, a more regressed unit than I was. And he calls up one day and he goes, hey, you got to come over here and, and see this. Now, I was over there once before and I met the psychiatrist for that unit. And they didn't have the highest quality psychiatrist in the state hospital. Um, so I, the first visit I, I went over there, here's this psychiatrist dressed just like Sigmund Freud. He's got a beard like Sigmund Freud. He's got a mustache like Sigmund Freud. He's smoking a pipe like Sigmund Freud. He's got a jacket on like Sigmund Freud. And I'm looking at this and I'm going, what the devil is this guy all about? And he's a psychiatrist for that unit. You know, and he's strutting around with this immense ego. And uh, I I look at my friend and I say, what's going on here? He goes, oh, that's Dr. So-and-so. He's uh, he's a psychiatrist for this unit. And... uh, that was my first meeting with him. So he, he calls up, and this was many months later, says, you, you got to come over here and take a look at this. 
And I'm like, what do you got? He goes, oh, just come over here before it disappears. So I, I rush over there and uh, we go to the psychiatrist's office and he walk in and here on the psychiatrist's desk is a pile of feces shaped into a pipe. Just, just like the one that the psychiatrist was smoking in his office. So, wow. so, so what this psychotic patent patient had done, he'd lived three floors up. Sometime during the night, he snuck down three flights of stairs, passed three attendant stations, quietly broke into the psychiatrist's office, got up on his desk, crapped in the middle of his desk, shaped it into a pipe and escaped the hospital and they never found him again. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, okay, so, so much for the schizophrenics being so disorganized, they can't plan anything. So, okay, that's <laughs> so it, here's all these things not making sense. Yeah. You know? Here yeah. I am on the front lines. It was like a sea of insanity, 12,000 in, patients around me. And I was an adrenaline junkie back then. I'm kind of worn out now. But, you know, back then it was like, hey, this is exciting. Mm -hmm. um, and then I started seeing other things that didn't make sense. Uh, you know, the schizophrenics especially were destructive. They were very self-destructive. Mm -hmm. They would sabotage each other. They would hurt others. They would hurt themselves. Mm -hmm. um, they did stuff that was really bizarre. They did stuff that was so gross, I, I dare not speak about it. Um, and it's like, you know, I'm looking at this and I'm going, why? And you know, why are they doing this? They're, they're doing stuff that experimental psychology is, is saying is opposite of what's built into the physical mechanism. You know, they're not seeking pleasure. You know, they're, they're not seeking to survive. They're seeking to destroy themselves and others and sabotage themselves. Mm -hmm. And and this happened over and over and over again. And, and at the time I was working for the department of vocational rehabilitation and our job wasn't just to do therapy. It was to actually get these guys out of the hospital, train them, in a vocation, get them out and get them working. You know? So it, it wasn't enough to just keep them under control. They had to be functional. Mm -hmm. And and what I noticed is that every patient we had that I had in my caseload that was schizophrenic that we sent to a vocational school, as they started succeeding, they did something to sabotage themselves mm -hmm. and, and would destroy it. If they came near graduation, they would do something to mess up their graduation. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were constantly sabotaging themselves. The other thing I noticed is that they would go off their medications. And mm -hmm. this was the only thing that was keeping them sane. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm going, you know, so here's all these things not making sense about what psychiatry and, and the institutions are saying, what they're teaching. Mm -hmm. um, so mm -hmm. here's a, it, it's consistent. I mean, it's just very consistent. Um, can I can I jump in with um, yeah. Kel Kelly F. He just has a question. Uh, are the are those and this is for you? Are those people possessed by demons? Uh, what he's talking about because they say they hear voices. Uh, I always thought they were possessed. Is that what you're referring to? Well, the voices act just like you would expect demons to act. Matter of fact, if you read uh, 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 the Christian mystic uh, Manuel Swedenborg, uh, he had access to heaven and hell. And that's how I read a book by, um, it was um, Wilson Van Dusen. He was working in a psychiatric hospital in California. Mm -hmm. And I first read his book and he had one section there and he was a student of Emanuel Swedenborg who talked about demons. 
And what he noticed was that his schizophrenics and their voices matched exactly what Emanuel Swedenborg, who lived 700 years ago, said that the demons were telling him and how they were acting with him. So here's this man uh, who lived, he was one of the top scientists of his day. Uh, he, he was a mystic. Uh, he could, uh, you know, he knew virtually everything there was to know. And at age 50, he completely turned away from science. He was a mining engineer for the Queen of Sweden, making a fortune for, for her. Otherwise, he probably would have been burned as a witch. And he turned into investigating spiritual areas. And he was given access to heaven and hell. And he would, he would make these trips to both and he'd come back and write about them. So Wilson Van Dusen, who was a clinical psychologist at, uh, I think it was Mendocino State Hospital in California, wrote one chapter on the match between the voices that these his patients were hearing and what Emanuel Swedenborg said were demons. And the match was so close that, yes, you could call them that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you would be right on. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so the, the voices they hear run very specific, repeatable patterns, which are not like regular hallucinations. So psychiatry, out of their infinite arrogance and no research, not one research study at all on the voices, the major symptom of paranoid schizophrenia, not oh, one wow. research study. They just blow it off. Oh, they don't make any sense. These guys are crazy. The voices are hallucinations. Not one foray into what they are or asking the patient w- what they're telling them or any the only thing they would react to is when the patient told them that the voices were telling them to kill themselves then they would jump around like somebody stuck in the butt with a hot stick they'd lock <laughs> them down fill them full of drugs and oh. and keep them on suicide watch until they weren't uh suicidal anymore in the prison they'd strip them down sometimes totally naked lock them into an empty cell with a it wasn't even a sleeping bag. It was it was like this dirty, crusty thing in the shape of a sleeping bag that had plastic sewn in that you couldn't rip it apart and, and make something to hang yourself. And they would just keep them isolated until they said they weren't suicidal anymore. Oh, so very God. few of them ever reported that they were suicidal. Of course. And if they, and if they were off drugs, I mean, they, they don't like the drugs. And, and one of the things that the voices, I found this out after many years, is that the voices were telling them not to take the drugs. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. um, and, and the voices also didn't want them using marijuana, which cal- uh, calmed them down. I don't know how many patients told me, the voices tell me not to use marijuana. They want mm. me to use alcohol or cocaine or heroin, but don't ah. use marijuana. Wow. So, one of the prime things these things do, and I, 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 I found this out for years and years, I thought I noticed that there was a energy drain that that after the voices attacked these patients, um, their their energy level would drop down to nothing. I mean, they would just they would just drag around. Uh, and for years, I, I thought that was due to the being the, the attacks, because what these things say is horrible. Uh, they do the same things to the people they infest. And you could look at them like a, a brain, a demonic brain virus. You know, they invade your, the, the patient's mind and they will insert negative thoughts. Um, and after the, they attack, the, the patient's completely drained. They, they're eviscerated. They have no energy left. And I, that was consistent. It was another consistent finding, which, you know, hallucinations are random. 
they're all over the place. They're positive, they're negative. But when you start finding patterns that repeat and repeat and repeat and different patterns, you know, it, it's no longer a hallucination. There's something going on there. Mm -hmm. and, and that repetitive disappearance of the energy, it, it was, um, I, I, it got my attention. So and, and along with them going off their medications consistently, almost all of them would at some point stop taking their medications and, and return back to insanity. And I'm going, do they want to be insane? Mm -hmm. So I started asking them and, and I got in trouble with psychiatry a couple of times at the state hospital for asking patients about their voices. Uh, I got pulled up twice, told that the voices were hallucinations and that by asking my patients about them, I was lending credibility to them mm -hmm. and making the patient worse. Wow. Now, now I, wow. Didn't, I didn't see that myself, but I was ordered to stop twice. So I had to I had to fly under the radar to stay out of trouble with psychiatry, wow. and and that was my entire career. You know, I could not let them know what I was looking at or what I was doing. And and uh, my last few years of work, I was working for a private uh, psychiatric hospital, and um, yeah. Yeah, that's true. It does block their mind control. I've seen that more than once too. Mm -hmm. Marijuana blocks uh, blocks their mind control, and that was part of what uh, somebody recently brought out that this chemtrail stuff was is is something that we would breathe in, and it would make us more susceptible to microwaves, and that the marijuana interfered with that. And they actually showed a documentation. Uh, from these guys who were doing these studies on microwaves and cannabis, saying that cannabis interfered with this kind of control, Yay. and I found, <laughs> and I found it, I found it very interesting that, you know, matter of fact, there was one section here. Uh, now, this was the clinical case I was telling you about, where he was talking about uh, marijuana. Very good. Um, Looks like uh, James Drew's in the house. He just finished your book last night. Says it's very well done. Grateful to you and Sherry. Oh, James. Yeah, yeah. We 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 were like two people chained together, beating each other over the head at times. You know, because Sherry was the actually she actually I've experienced these things personally once, and that was after I prayed to experience them so I could see what they were like. Wow. Yeah. And what's a, what shocked me was that they sounded just like any of my regular thoughts, you know, the thousands of thoughts that go through my head in a regular day. There was no change in timber or intensity or, or uh, nothing. They sounded just like the regular thoughts going through my head, except that their intent was very much different. I you know? see. And, and I they, see. Tri they tried to kill me. You know, so they do not want the patient to understand. They want them to think that they are their thoughts. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've had scores of patients tell me they ask their voices, who are you? What are you? And they would say, we are you. Right. So, right. so it's like they blend in with your regular thought processes. Mm -hmm. And that's most noticeable with schizophrenics. Mm -hmm. But it happens to all of us. 
Mm -hmm. you know, and I don't think there's anyone listening who hasn't been walking down the street. And then all of a sudden this horrific thought just barges into their head, something that uh, telling them to do something or say something they wouldn't ever normally have said or done. And, and they wouldn't do mm -hmm. uh, But here. This thought comes in and, and like, bam, you know, do this or say this or jump off this bridge or, or shoot this guy. Or, uh, I mean, it's like, and, it, and it's so startling. It's like, it, you know, it doesn't belong to you. You know, it's not a part of your regular thought stream. It's not a part of your intent. It's not a part of who you are. Mm -hmm. And it, the question is, where did that come from? Mm -hmm. well, it comes mm -hmm. from the same place that these schizophrenics get hear their voices. Mm -hmm. So here, here's, uh, here's a, a psychotic prisoner. And this was a very violent and dangerous guy. Um, would I be Is able to ask you, can I ask you a question first before we sure. jump in with that? Because I'm totally interested and i got lots to say about it. But uh, just for the sake of those who aren't familiar with you and your work yet, like how do you manage dealing with a subject? How do you handle the responsibility of it? How do you handle the stress? You, you said you used to be more of an adrenaline junkie. How do you, how do you handle it when you come, I, you know, imagine you've had to face a lot of demons in other people and, and maybe yourself as well? Well, th there were times where I was scared within an inch of my life. Um, mm -hmm. When I learned enough to know how to show the patient to get rid of these voices for good, they viewed me as, a, as an absolute threat. Yeah. I believe and, it. And toward the end of my career, I got to where I couldn't see them, I couldn't hear them, but I could feel them. I, I could feel how strong they were. Uh, I could feel when they were angry. I could feel how angry they were. I could feel how powerful they were. And it was this icky electrical feeling that uh, there's nothing else like it. There's nothing else like it. Um, so it, it was almost like a warning system. But what what really, uh, well, where, where I really, I, I denied that these things were separate entities for decades you know, for, for many decades. And as the evidence grew and grew and grew, it became harder and harder to deny it. And my denial system was just rickety and, and blown apart and about ready to fall over. And I was working with this, uh, this one uh, psychotic inmate. Um, and, and all at about the same time, what I had was a group of maybe 15 inmates that I was working with and the deal we had was that I'll do everything I can to help you out and I'll stick by you if you will tell me in real time what the voices are telling you while we're working together. You know, so by the time I got there, I strongly suspected they were separate entities. They weren't part of the, but I, I wouldn't let myself admit that to myself. I didn't want to you know, so all of a sudden that group started coming in and saying, the voices are really getting pissed off with you. And I'm going, a hallucination's getting pissed off with me. What kind of hallucination are you going to get pissed off with? Me? <laughs> you know? And uh, all these reports started coming in at the same time. Yeah. The voices are really getting pissed off with you. And I'm like, hey, what? You know? What? And uh, then one day, the, this one fellow I was working with, um, who was making good progress, he turns around the doorway as he's leaving my office, and he says, uh, you know what you're, you're doing is dangerous, don't you? And I look at him, and it you know, never dawned on me. 
You know, it, it was like I knew these guys could be potentially dangerous, you know, but I was raised in a very dysfunctional, fairly violent family. So I was used to any of that kind of stuff. And, mm. and I, you know, I, I was a fairly good sized guy. I mean, they weren't going to jump on me and get away with it scot-free. Mm-hmm. Um, so this guy says that they're dangerous and I, and he just looks at me and turns around and walks away and I'm sitting there staring at the wall going, what does that mean? I mean, they're in their head. They can't come out. They can't get me. You know, they're, they're stuck with them, not me. And mm-hmm. I, and I just kind of blew it off and kept going. This guy's kept getting better and better. And then one day he shows up in my office and he goes, the voices want to talk to you. And I'm like, what? You know, I, for, for, Decades before that, it was the patient was the intermediary. They would tell me what the voices were saying. And if I decided to respond, I'd tell them, well, tell them to go stick their head in the toilet or jump off a bridge or, or get lost or something. You know, so I, I was already starting to interact with them as they were like different entities. But in the back of my mind, I'm going, well, maybe this is some figment of the patient's subconscious mind or something. I, I wasn't really clear and they're telling me that you know a lot of them are telling me well they're they're demons and i'm like i didn't believe in demons and uh so he comes in he goes um the voices want to talk to you and i, I said they want to talk to me personally and i didn't have an appointment with him he and i said well okay come in what they got to say and i i look at him and he looks at me and he goes um you have no right to interfere with our way of life and then he goes, that wasn't me who said that. That was the voices. And I'm like, you know, do, 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 do. It's like Twilight Zone. <laughs> it's like I'm looking at him and, you know, it just blew my mind. It's like they are real. They, mm-hmm. they are separate. They are not some figment. And, and it was like my whole denial system just crashed mm-hmm. I mean, just right there. And, and I just canceled all appointments for the rest of the day trying to cope with that realization. And, you know, I didn't back off with this guy. Um, Mm -hmm. And one of the things you can't do with psychotics is show fear. I mean, it's like running away from a dog that's attacking Mm -hmm. you. You just cannot show fear. So I kept working with him. He kept getting better. And um, then one day I I, uh, ran into a book by Miguel Ruiz, who uh, the four agreements, and he was talking about entities that matched what I was experiencing with these voices and the energy drain got me very interested because it was the same energy drain I was seeing with these psychotic patients. So I brought that book into the prison and I brought in the same guy uh, whose voices warned me that, um, uh, you know, I had no right to interfere with whatever they were doing, which was destroying these people. And uh, I I brought him in. I said, uh, Hey man, I'd like your opinion on this. And I had the, the page marked out where it was talking about the energy drain. And I started reading word for word. And when I hit the energy drain, all of a sudden right behind my head was this loud electrical crackling. Like, you know, like it sounded just like an arc welder. It was like crack, 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 crack. And I'm like, what the hell? And I look at him and he's just staring with this blank zombie look like, you know, just looking. And I'm like, what the hell's going on? And then this crackling starts moving up my office wall to the right side. And it's like, crack, 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 crack. 
just sounds, it's loud as an arc welder. And it, it must have went for like 20, 30 seconds. It wasn't just a brief thing. It was like, bang, bang, bang. and I'm afraid to, I'm, I'm concentrating on the walls, trying to see whatever's there. Nothing there, but I was afraid to keep my, uh, take my eyes off of him too, because he was acting mighty strange. So I look at him and I say, uh, do you hear that? And he doesn't answer. He's just sitting there like a zombie, just with this weird stare on his face. And I'm like, he's going to attack me. So I push my chair against the wall and I get ready to kick him back. And in the medical unit, what they did is assign female guards to the medical unit. You know, so if, if you get attacked there, I mean, you're, you're virtually on your own. You know, it's, it's going to be a while before anybody who can really change the situation is going to arrive. Um, so I push my chair back against the wall in case he's attacked. So I, I kick him back with my feet and then whatever happens happens after that um but this crackling continued and then it went across the ceiling up over over his head so i could see that and him at the same time there was nothing there there was no smell to it it was just this loud electrical crackling and then it comes down the wall to my left and it jumps into this rubber made cat trash can by my left leg and i'm looking in there and there's nothing there it was emptied last night by the inmate porter and there's nothing there and i look up and uh I, I asked him, do you, you, you know, you, he just looks at me and he gets up and he goes, I got to leave. And I'm like, yeah, get the hell out of here. Go quick, go. Oh, <laughs> and I'm gosh. like, oh, man. And he shuffles down the, the down the hallway and I'm like stunned. I mean, just absolutely stunned. I mean, who who would ever believe it? You know, it couldn't go to the head of the psych department go, Hey man, this just happened. I was talking to a psychotic about his voices and, and all of a sudden it's crackling exploded all down. Yet they'd locked me up. There's nobody I could talk to about it. And there was nobody I could talk to about any of these things who would believe it. And I, I try to talk to my wife and she just gets totally freaked. I mean, she goes, don't do that. Don't need, don't be messing with these things. I don't want to hear it. You know, it's like, so here I'm stuck with it. And then it gets weirder and weirder and weirder. So it took me uh, probably two months or so to, to kind of get the courage up to call this guy back into my office. And uh, when I do, he looks good. And I was expecting him to be destroyed. And they said, well, you know, you look good. What What's going on? I, after what happened, I expect they had so much, so much control over you that you, you would have been a mess. He goes, no, no, I've been doing what you told me to do, and I'm able to keep them down. And I said, uh, you remember the last time you were in my office here? He goes, yeah. I said, did, did you hear that crackling? And he said, yeah. Uh, and uh, he said, I'm surprised you did I'm talking to me. And I said, I said, uh, what was that? And he said, that was them. And I said, the voices? And he said, yeah, that was the voices. And I said, what were they trying to do? He said, they were trying to scare you. And I said, they did a damn good job of it. <laughs> and, and I said, you know, you, you look weird when you uh, shuffled out of my office. What what were the voices telling you as you were leaving my office? And he said they were telling me to go get a shank and stick it in your belly. A shank's a homemade prison knife. Wow. And, oh, there we go again. Damn. And uh, I asked him, I said, and I'm thinking, well, I've been working with this guy for six months. I know him really well. I bailed him out of some touchy situations. He wouldn't do anything like that. Um, and I asked him, well, why didn't you do it? And he said, I couldn't find one. Mm. So, you know, I was, it was like, bam, what am I getting myself into here? And then 
you know, that I was scared, but it didn't drive me off. I mean, it, it was like, okay, I know what this is now. How do we get rid of it? So step by step, what I was doing was, was developing things to break up the pattern of the voices and the voices didn't like that very well at all. They were furious with that. And when somebody fully recovered and the voices left at about three in the morning, all of a sudden, I felt I was being crushed down into my bed at night. I mean, I was just being physically crushed down, and I was I was just terrified. And that happened every single time a, a prisoner fully recovered. It was like whatever these things were, they didn't like it. They knew where I lived, and, and they came and got me at that time. And that happened repeatedly until I, I started to get somewhat used to it, if you could ever get used to something like that. Yeah, you know, and I prayed, <laughs> I prayed like, you know, Lord, get whatever this is, get it off of me. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And is that your system then to, to pray if you're being attacked? I, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All of us have at least two guardian angels. Mm -hmm. and, and that's one another thing that these people don't realize. Another pattern that ran is, is these voices did not want them to go to church. They didn't sure. want them to hang around with anybody uh, who went to church. They didn't want them to read the Bible. And they got very upset if they tried to do any of those things. You know? yeah. So here's another pattern that is appearing. And, it, and it's appearing consistently. So here's three separate patterns now. And, and them being, getting upset with the, the church or anything religious was another one. So hallucinations don't run patterns. And, and here's more and more and more patterns coming out. Wow. Um, wow. Eric said that he's felt that exact thing um, being crushed in his own bed. Yeah. So, that's uh, them. Wow. Wow. Incredible. I also have had my own experiences. Uh, I probably was dealing with demons and entities for, you know, my whole life. And it wasn't really until I started getting tuned in with the truth community and going down the rabbit hole and learning the things that I didn't want to know about the world when all of a sudden the attacks came in technicolor. And it would always be the middle of the night when I was, you know, either at, had insomnia or try, trying to desperately to go to sleep with all these uh, images of things I didn't want to know about in my head. And then it would be so clear. It wasn't just that I was disturbed because I can deal with that. That's I, I consider myself a professional at dealing with that. But this was different. This was a full-on energetic attack coming from outside of myself. And uh, I was fortunate enough at the time to just have the instinct. I was, I'd also heard a video of uh, someone just calling in Jesus every time there was a demon uh, to deal with in somebody else or in themselves. And so I, I just started picking up that technique and I said, hey, Jesus, can you help me with this? And there would be like instantaneous response and relief. The, the, the second thing that I would always do is to have zero resistance. So not to fight with them, not to be afraid of them, to just be totally porous. And there was this feeling that they couldn't contact, they couldn't, there was nothing to hold on to and it would dissipate. Hmm. That's interesting, because I, I was always in battle mode. Um, 
you know, I felt that I was being protected. I never went into the prison or into the ER without praying for protection, mm-hmm. you know. And there were some times where I, I could feel like I had this, like Star Trek, where they, this energetic field protecting me. And there were some times they got so strong that I thought that field was going to collapse. I mean, it was like a billionth of an inch above my skin that this thing was pressuring to get in. And I always wondered what would happen if it did. And I'm, <laughs> I had the feeling it wouldn't be good. Uh, but there was this one one gal I was working with, a, a schizophrenic female, young gal. Uh, all of a sudden, she blurts out while we're talking. She says, uh, you're, you're never going to get hurt by these these things. And I said, Where, where'd that come from? She goes, you have this giant angel standing behind you, protecting you. You're, you're never going to get hurt. And, and in fact, I never, never was. And, and, and it came close, very close a couple of times, but that was my fault. Hmm. Hmm. Let me see. Are they able to see or hear demons within other people like sociopaths? No, that's interesting. They cannot hear the voices of another psychotic or schizophrenic. Hmm. Yeah. They, I've even had one where the the prisoner had a girlfriend who was psychotic and they could not hear each other's voices, you know, um, wow. but, but they can hear the voices within their own head. So they can hear the conversation of the voices or the voices saying, well, now they're doing this or now they're doing that, or why don't you attack this guy? Or why don't you attack that? But, but the voices in one person's head cannot hear the voices in another person's head. Mm-hmm. And I have no idea why that is. You mm-hmm. Know? Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Fascinating. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm curious Wow, well, it's such a big subject. I really, uh, there's about a hundred questions I think we're going to have to ask you, but I'm also curious about your life and, you know, do you feel like this is your purpose? Is this, do you feel like this is what you're, you're here to, here to do to help people? Yeah, I think I, I think it is, and I think I might have been drunk when I signed up to do this. <laughs> uh, yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, because it, 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 for the most part, it has not been a pleasant experience. It's it's like diving into hell, going down there, studying the occupants, and then then coming back up and saying, "Okay, people, this is what's going on behind the scenes, and this is what's affecting you, whether you know it or not." Mm-hmm. You know, there's an awful lot to learn from schizophrenics. They're people just like you, and they they have the same mental mechanism as you, and they're being attacked heavily. They're being heavily controlled. You're being attacked also, but not at, at the same frequency. And what's interesting, if you look at the macrocosm of what's going on right now, you listen to the mainstream media and their insane rambling of be, be afraid, you're going to die. Wear these masks, you know, control, can control, control, be anxious, be wary, do what we tell you. It's the exact same thing these voices are telling schizophrenics. Wow. It's the exact same thing on a macroscopic level. Wow. I mean, you, they, they're they interdependent. You could switch one with the other, only it's on a mass scale. You know. No, oh, I lost the sound. I can't hear you. Okay, sorry. I was going to okay, ask you, you. I was going to ask you that exact question. Yeah, it's it's the same thing going on on a macroscopic scale. And then okay. you look at the the corruption that's being pulled up in the in the U.S government right now. These guys are crawling with these things. 
you know, they're crawling with these things. Right. And, and, and you, you look at Nancy Pelosi, she's a nutcase. I mean, she's, she, she should be in a psych hospital herself along with Nadler and the others. I mean, it's it's the same exact insanity running the same exact patterns on a macroscopic scale. Wow. Wow. Incredible. Uh, so that podcast that I'd heard a long time ago with the preacher, so he could actually come in and on behalf of the person who was possessed by the demon, he could say, in the name of Jesus, I command this spirit to leave. And so it seems like someone from the outside can, without the will and authority of that person can, um, you know, deal with that demon or banish that demon, however you would call it. Does that sound right to you? Because isn't isn't there some point of free will where well, you can do that? Yes and no. Right. If if I've had more than one patient who said the voices are my only friends, they're the only ones I trust. Matter of fact, I worked for like six months with this one guy to get rid of his voices. And uh, I remember when, when they left, he goes, the silence is deafening because he'd never for years and years, he, he's heard these voices. And, and then he got real lonely because they were gone. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was being transferred off that unit because the chief psychologist figured I was up to something. And he, you know, the, the inmates wouldn't tell him what I was doing. Um, they protected me, <laughs> believe it or not, they protected me. Um, and it, they tra he was transferring me onto a Spanish unit where, where I couldn't really work effectively with these guys. And I went and checked this guy before I left, and he asked for the voices to come back because he was so lonely. So here, here he mm -hmm. wanted them back. And I've heard that several other times. Wow. Let me see, wow. Let me see what this. Uh, Jerry, did you ever get any help in your work? Did you ever see any help from 12-step programs and support groups? 12-step um, programs are great. They, they move you toward a spiritual um, on, onto a spiritual path. And, and Beth, like you were saying, um, yeah, I, I can, I can get rid of these things in a patient temporarily. Okay. Yeah. And only with their will, you know, I they see. have to want that to happen. And okay. people who go to exorcists, they want to get rid of the voices right. and the exorcist can drive them out. Now, what I'm wondering about is that these things feed off of negative emotional energy. That's why they're constantly negative. So that's a, that's a, a fourth pattern. They're not random in what they tell these people. They're totally negative and malicious and nasty. Yeah. And it, it's not a random kind of thing. What holds them on such a negative, malicious, nasty path? Something holds them on that path, some force. Otherwise, they'd be random like regular hallucinations. So here's here's all these patterns that psychiatry, in their infinite arrogance, is just ignoring, just totally ignoring. This does not fit the definition of a hallucination. Mm -hmm. and, and they will not look at it. And if you even mention this to them, they go insane. They go nuts, you know. They, they've been taught that medications are the only thing. They can't wrap their heads around a illness that is has no physical cause nor any physical cure. Mm -hmm. They just can't wrap their heads around it. So, mm -hmm. yeah, 12 step. one of the things that the voices do is they turn the, these patients toward alcohol and drugs to cope with the anxiety that they cause, mm -hmm. that they feed off of. You know, that's what their food is. That's what they feed off of. Mm -hmm. um, and and 
12-step programs move people onto a positive spiritual path and threaten to cut off their their drugs because drugs give them more control. You know, give the demons more control. Oh, yeah. I see. You, you get of a course. drunk psychotic and he's liable to do anything. Uh, you of know? course. And, and this, guy, this guy beat several people to within an inch of their lives you know, on drugs, but the, the voices are telling him, no, no, don't use marijuana. Don't use marijuana. Use alcohol, mm -hmm. use cocaine, use heroin. Mm -hmm. Don't use marijuana. Mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. Another question here, if you don't mind, uh, sure. how do you protect yourself from these negative energies that you encounter? Well, the first thing is to realize they exist. You know, second thing is to watch my own thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the question psychiatry never asked. And, and, you know, I've been through four years undergraduate psych and, and four years of graduate psych and counseling. Never did they ask where thoughts came from. And when I was in the PhD program, uh, you know, it was like, it was just, it was piled higher and deeper, just like they say. Finally, I was starting to get sick of it. I wanted to know where thoughts came from. And in a, a lecture one time with the head of the department, I, uh, he asked, does anybody have any questions uh, over anything? I raised my hand and I said, yeah, yeah. Where do thoughts come from? He just looked at me like I, I was a Martian that fell out of a spaceship at his feet. He, he his jaw dropped and like, you know, what kind of moron asked that kind of question? And, you know, so so I I kind of like redlined myself once again, you know. It's it's like, uh, oh, I'll, I'll answer that after the lecture. And he just, he ran out after the lecture. And I went, oh, I'm in trouble again. Um so yeah, here's 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 another pattern, you know. Mm -hmm. So you got the energy drain, you got the negativity, mm -hmm. you, you, you got all these patterns that are running, and and they're going, and with their arrogant. Oh well, I've been to medical school, and uh, they told me this, and you know the the medical schools are drug are are, are totally run by the the pharma the big pharma companies they mm -hmm. determine what those guys can teach they determine what goes into the head of those doctors they determine all that stuff so these guys are just kind of programmed drones of the pharmaceutical industry and this started with the flexner report back in the 1930s where they outlawed all kinds of therapies electrical therapy and natural therapy and and they made it the the drug companies bought off congress and made it to where if they weren't teaching pharmacology pharmacologically based treatments that they would not authorize them to issue medical licenses. Mm. You know? wow. So they took control of the friggin' medical industries in the Congress and they still have control of the Congress. And right now, if, if, if you were hearing voices in the U S you'd have to wait probably weeks maybe months to go see a psychiatrist because they're all backed up dishing off their drugs. Okay. So here's the family going nuts, wondering what's going on with their pay, their, their family member. And they can't even get in to see a psychiatrist because they're backed up pushing their drugs. When they do get in, they pay $150 for a consultation. Then they get a prescription. Then the, the prescription costs uh, 750 to a thousand dollars a month for the drugs without insurance just to stay sane. Oh boy! You know, and these are wow. awful drugs. Now, sixty wow. miles south of here, you could go across the border to Mexico, walk into a pharmacy, say, "Hey, I want uh, a bottle of Risperidol." Not see a psychiatrist. You already know what's wrong. Buy that that bottle for like you know fifty bucks or something like that, and you're you're ready for another month. So that's fifty bucks compared to over 
a thousand bucks a month for anybody treated for the same illness here in the U.S. You know, the the, the big pharma has control of all this. They they bought off Congress. They they control the drugstores. Look at what they did with this uh, uh, medicine for uh, for this virus stuff. They the the pharmacies refused to prescribe it. Here's here they they're saying, oh, it's poison. It's not approved yet. It's been around for fifty years, and they're trying to stop them from prescribing it. They're making it not available. That's only recently Trump has finally got it to where they can make it available to the public after it's proved itself over and over and over again. It, 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 that's what I'm saying. This is just a, a the psychosis is just a, a macrocosm of what's going on in society right now. And you know, Trump is exposing it all. But boy, there it's amazing he's still alive. You know, wow. Kennedy Kennedy attempted the same man, and they knocked him off right away. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the difference is is that Trump's got the military behind him this time, and okay. he's got the whole he's got a whole giant segment of the military industrial complex behind him. Who, who have watched this go on and on and on and have finally said this has got to come to an end. You know, they've taken an oath to protect the U.S. from all enemies, foreign and domestic. And, you know, big pharma, the Chinese, the Chinese have infiltrated everything in this country. The institutions, the, the medical institutions, the, uh, the, the academic institutions, uh, they've stolen everything that didn't tie down. Yeah, nobody's ever stood up to them before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow. And, and, and look at where their society is right now. That's where these dark forces are, are trying to push us, you know, the democracies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Exactly. So there's a question from Channel News uh, wondering if the voices that people are hearing are coming from inner trauma and unhealed wounds. Is that what kind of makes a door for demons, or what? Do you yes, think? That, yeah, okay. that makes a that makes a door for demons. They're okay. they're like sharks uh, who smell blood in the ocean. They can smell they can smell negative emotional energy a mile away, and yeah. then they show up and they start throwing fuel on the fire so and we've all experienced this you do something you know was stupid you might have hurt somebody accidentally and then it starts remunerating in your head well you shouldn't have done that you stupid jerk i mean how could you do something like that why why'd you do that and it goes on and on and on for hours and hours and days and days and days we're the only animal on the planet that does that you know and what do you think is feeding that it's these guys you know they survive off of negative emotional energy that's their food that's why the wars that's that's why the conflicts that's why breaking us apart and stopping us from unifying time Mm. after time with schizophrenics they the the voices attack girlfriends and wives and families that's Mm. another consistent symptom you know a hallucination doesn't do that they will repeatedly attack girlfriends and wives and families and trying to break up and isolate these people and and they will isolate themselves you know because the the voices don't want any interference they don't want anybody giving these people love you know um so so here's all these patterns running and you know if you break up those patterns these things disappear but psychiatry won't even entertain that. Dr. Ermark uh, in Turkey, who's who we've been in touch with for a good while, he wrote a journal article saying he witnessed a uh, shaman cure a number of, of individuals with voices. And he, he a journal, a reputable journal published that, and he was attacked 
all upside and down the other by the academics and the, and the medical establishment. They wanted no part of that. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. I like what you're saying about the pattern recognition, because that's very related to the work I do with archetypes. And a lot of, and I'm actually just about to embark on teaching other people how to read and coach with archetypes as well. So I'm really deep into this subject and, and the big part, it really is just a pattern recognition. It's not any more mystical than that from my perspective. It's, it's being able to, to see what are, what is the signature pattern of a, of a shadow? Are they exhibiting this behavior, having these kind of thoughts, speaking with this kind of a language? Yes, yes, yes. While well, you're dealing with this archetype then. And how do you awaken from that archetype is to, uh, you know, to first of all, assume an awakened voice to, to know what the pattern of the awakened voice is. What is the, the not negative message that this archetype carries? And then to also, of course, release, you know, and the word release is probably pro problematic, but I have a feeling it's, it's quite identical. And I think it was uh, James Drew I was hearing say that, you know, most of the conditions that we see are really all demonic possession. I assume that's from conversations with you that he's got that, you know, when it comes to addiction or, or um, like the diagnosis of schizophrenia or depression or anxiety. Would you say that's true that it's really all demonic by nature? Well, the, what I've found is that the positive spirits for the most part, don't speak in language. They speak in emotion and um, intuition. Okay. okay. You feel it. Now, these things, and, and they're respectful. They will not force you to do anything you really don't want to do. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they, they will not interfere with your free will. Now, these dark ones will, and they do speak in voices. And, mm -hmm. and that's, a, that's another thing, the, the question, where do thoughts come from? Yeah. Now, these things are fully capable, like Carlos Castaneda said in his series, of injecting thoughts into your mind that are disturbing. Okay. Now, mm -hmm. the second source is your memory. So all of us are programmed from childhood, from the day we're born, we're programmed to believe and think the way we do. Mm -hmm. And, and if, you're, if you're thinking, you're running a program. Mm -hmm. it's yeah, true. And that program repeats over and over and over and over again until you realize you are running a program and, and it's just a program. Mm -hmm. But it, 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 all the bad memories, these things, it's a th another thing. They have consistent access to all your all your bad memories. I've had patients say that the voices went and pulled up something he'd done 20 years ago that he'd long forgotten about and we're rubbing it in his face. Mm -hmm. All right. So why does that just happen to humans? Now what Sherry came up with is in her understanding, and, and we both agree on this because I was finding the same thing. She just, she, she really crystallized it though. And every negative thought about yourself or somebody else is coming from them. Hmm. Wow. Amazing. Let, check out this comment from Israel Adams. He said, parasites and demons are one and the same. They require acidic blood. Uh, pharmaceuticals cause acidity, not a coincidence. What do you, what's your take on that? Well, I agree with the first part. They are, they are parasitic. They're mm -hmm. energy parasites, but they have to turn your emotional state negative before they can take that energy because they feed off of negative emotional energy. And that's why they never say anything good. 
It's always attacking, putting you down, running you down, telling you bad things about yourself, saying, oh, people are talking about you behind your back. You can't trust anybody. Uh, they're plotting against you. I mean, just anything they can throw at you that will drive you into a negative emotional state. And you'll look, most schizophrenics don't have any energy. They're just frigging dragging around. And people who are depressed, if you look at their thought processes, you know, they don't have any energy either. But will mm -hmm. psychiatry look at thought processes? They label schizophrenia as a thought disorder. But do you think they'll look at the thoughts behind that disorder? No. Yeah, here, take this drug. You know, it's it's like, uh, uh, what is it? That's mirazapine stuff. I mean, that they use for anxiety is one of the biggest things that people go to psychiatry and doctors for right now. Mm. And they, they've come up with this anti-anxiety agent. It's called mirtazapine, I think it is. And there's little dinky tiny pills. Mm. And, uh, you know, I was having trouble sleeping for a while. And, uh the doctor prescribed those things, man. And if you want to be relieved of the burden of consciousness, man, you take one of those tiny pills and it'll knock you out for two freaking days. This is an anxiety thing. I mean, it turns you into a freaking zombie. So, yeah, the, the demons are, these voices are parasites. They hit everybody. They hit us all. Mm -hmm. Like I said, every negative thought that comes into your mind about yourself or somebody else is coming from them. You know, and they want you to entertain and act on that. And if they can get you to act on it, it'll generate more conflict and, and emotion, uh, negative emotion. Uh, they can't deal with positive emotion. You know, they can't stand it. For them, that's like eating feces. Right. You know? Right. I've attacked demons by uh, love bombing. Oh, they hate that. Yep. They absolutely <laughs> hate that. They can't stand it. Yeah. You know, if, you, if you can do that. Yeah. When I've been aware enough. I've yeah. been able to do that. It uh, doesn't necessarily work. I was looking for a comment from uh, Walt from Flat Earth had his here. So Walt, oh, here it is. He just uh, said he had a couple of techniques for dealing with entities, uh, years and lives of lucid dream work and astro battle. A few works, a few weeks after FE, I found, sorry, I don't know, what, Flat Earth, I found a document that is basically the same things I do, but. So I'm sorry, I don't know what the end of it comment there is but uh well might be helpful if he told us what those techniques were right but is it lucid dreaming and astral battle is that that looks like well you know i i've i have read uh there, there was a fellow named jason quit who mm -hmm. um he talked about that and uh he said one day he was asleep and uh he was having dreams that he to prepare himself for death because he was only going to live another two years and was going to die of cancer in this dream. And he was able to get out of his body and he, he looked down at this entity that was on his body and he said it was beautiful. It looked like an angel, but mm. it was imparting these, these negative thoughts. Now, had he bought into that, he probably would have died in two years of cancer. So here's this thing, filling his mind with this negative program, you know, uh, you know, to that effect. And there was one other experience that was similar to that. Um, I can't remember it. Mm -hmm. Where, yeah, they, they, they tell you, you're, you're going to get sick, you're going to die from cancer. And then you start 
remunerating over that and you create it. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's exactly what happened to me, Jerry. When I was a child, I had a lot of medical people in my world. My aunts and uncles, they were all doctors and nurses. And I learned way too early about cancer. And all I knew, it was just like the boogeyman to me, right? It was just some dangerous thing that could come. And there was no talk of uh, what was causing it or how to prevent it. And from that moment on, I was afraid of cancer. And by the time I'm 29, I got diagnosed with a stage four lymphoma. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I got that demon at that, at that time. Yeah. And it took me three yeah. years to banish that demon. But I did it. Yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, once, a, once, I mean, we create everything in our lives we're responsible for, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. it, we, we create it, we draw it, we bring it, we're responsible for it. Mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. and, and if you don't take responsibility, then something else does. Ah. And that's something else in a lot of cases are these things. Right. Now, the, you know, the angelic beings are there. I've seen it in the ER a number of times. I mean, there was, you know, but they don't speak in words. They speak in feelings and intuition for the most part, unless the person's on the verge of death. Uh, mm -hmm. There was one lady that they brought in. Um, everything had gone wrong in her life. I mean, she, she lost her job. She was, she couldn't make the rent. Uh, she had a teenage boy at home. Uh, she, she got a divorce. I mean, everything was going wrong. So she decided I'm going to kill myself. I can't deal with this anymore. So she, she got the train schedule down and she, she went to the small town waiting on the railroad track. She's going to drive her car in front of a train and, uh, and just end it all. So she was talking, she felt that she was drugged and drunk up and drugged waiting at the, those things that, you know, come down and uh, the train was coming. She was talking to her sister in San Diego, telling her goodbye. And here comes the train. She hung up, started the car, drove around the barrier right in front of the train. And this, this train smashed into her, threw her car into another track and another train coming in the other direction, hit it again and then threw it like 50 yards off of the railroad track into the desert. And, um, you know, she wow. survived that. Not only did she survive that, she's sitting in front of me in the ER with just a black eye. That's it. That's it. And they had to cut her out of that car. I mean, it was, it was a worse than a crumpled Coke can. I mean, it was just a crumpled piece of metal and she was tangled in it. You know, they had to get that jaw of life thing and, and cut her out. And I asked her, I said, what were you thinking when you came to and you were still alive? And she said, I was furious. She said, absolutely furious. And then she said, this feeling of love, just this all pervasive love just came over her, you know, and just filled her entire body and said, everything's going to be okay. Wow. And I, I didn't think psychiatry was going to let her out because, you know, we did the evaluations and then we had to get approval by them to actually release the patient. So I, I gave my evaluation. I said, I don't think she's suicidal anymore. You know, I think she learned her lesson. I'm not, you know, and I, I thought for sure they were going to override me and, and put her in the hospital. They let her out. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. Incredible. An another guy, he had, he had 357 Magnum with all the cylinders loaded, put it to his head and click, bang. Put a, it blew a hole in the floor, put it to his head again, click, didn't go off, bang. He goes, okay, I got it. <laughs> Whoa. A, 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 another lady, 
shot herself again, supposedly with a 357 Magnum, went through her chest, through the wall, and and all she missed everything. She missed all the vital organs. She she had a big Band-Aid on, on both sides, you know, and, and I couldn't believe it. I'm thinking, well, that must not have been a 357, but she said it was. But but still, here she is talking to me with mm-hmm. two Band-Aids on. You know? oh, wow. wow. Uh, an, another guy uh, went out to the rain. He decided he's going to kill himself, uh, put a 45 to his head, pulled the trigger. It went click, didn't go off. Next day, he went down to the range put with that same bullet in there, fired it, and it went off. So it was thing after thing after thing like this where you could see the action of spirit in action it's like these it's not their time to go and they interfered with these suicide attempts that were i mean the you know what's the chances of that happening uh, virtually zero no kidding you know? and Incredible. story after story after story like that you know amazing. so amazing could i ask you one thing about um and I think you've already mentioned this, but I think what I've experienced with demons is that li- they literally come in disguise. So I think they're Mother Mary, or I think they're the, mer- you know, because I actually was visited by mermaids after the death of my father, and I was grieving and going through so much. And uh, night after night after night, I was visited by what I, I, I didn't even know what they were. For weeks, I didn't know what they were, but I was definitely having... Uh, hallucinations. Now they weren't negative. They actually weren't negative. In in if they were in disguise, it was all actually quite uplifting and positive. It wasn't until quite far down the line when I I, I wondered to myself, like I wondered if I was actually being visited by by entities, and that I just interpreted it all positive because that's my way is to take anything negative and make it positive. Well, w- what that triggers is a memory of. Uh... This was in the prison. Uh, I, I ran into a devil worshiper, um, and you know the other inmates told me he was a devil worshiper. I'd never met a devil worshiper, and you know when I saw something interesting there, I'd call the person in just to talk to him to see what 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 that was all about. Uh, and this guy was a s- satanist, and what what was strange about him is he had this. He wasn't depressed and and lacking energy like all the other schizophrenics I I was working with on my caseload. He had plenty of energy and he had this very strange affect like that um, Chucky on that, uh, like that puppet Chucky in the movie. You know, I I don't know which exactly which one it was, but it was just a strange, strange affect. It wasn't like normal. And I'd never met a devil worshiper before. So I called him in and started asking him questions. And, you know, right away, he kind of is getting suspicious. And I said, uh, you know what, I'm curious that you you have a whole lot more energy than other my other patients that are hearing voices. I said, where's it coming from? And he said, they give it to me. I said, they give it to you. For what purpose do they give it to you? Well, they, they give it to me to get things done. And I, I was like, I wasn't going to ask him about that. And I said, well, have you ever seen Satan? He goes, yeah. I said, well, what did he look like? And he said he was beautiful. He was absolutely beautiful. And that shocked me because my whole life I've been told, well, he's ugly and and nasty and he's got horns and he's red and he got warts all over the place. Here's this guy. I mean, he's got probably 
more experience with these things than I'll ever have or anybody I know has telling me that these things are beautiful. And that's the same thing that Jason Quitt said with the one that was attached to him and was putting those poisonous thoughts in his head. So they can pretty much take on any form that they want. The, the giveaway is, and they're very sly. They're, they're, they range from retarded to, to very, very, very sly and devious. And what they'll do sometimes is they'll, especially with, with drug addicts, and I've seen this with drug addicts so many times, when they run out of drugs, these things come and they go, we know where you can get more. If you show up at this place at this time, somebody will come and they'll have the drug for you. And I don't know how many prisoners told me that when they showed up there, a complete stranger showed up with that drug that they, they were looking for. Yeah. So, and... Other schizophrenics told me that the voices would tell them what houses to break into, whether the people were up, when to get out, and where to hide from the police. You know, So they were useful in that manner, but that was a very destructive manner. Or they might tell them something that they perceive to be positive and useful, only later to take that and turn it around into a negative type situation. But eventually, the negative will come up. So that's what it consistently that's what I notice exactly that the the, the negative will will reveal itself and right. this is this is something that I, I at some point you know somebody earlier on mentioned how uh, you know they get chills and goosebumps all over their body and this was something that I would consistently get when I felt like somebody was telling the truth or, you know, something was just real for me or, or it was actually the truth. But I also see that that can be one of those disguising sensations because I've followed that sensation before and uh, to my own demise and, and seen that, you know, I was tricked by this, by this sensation. And I've, I've, as much as everybody loves that feeling, like when you say something and I just like, Oh, you know, I'm shiver from head to toe. It, it's a kind of beautiful thing. But at the same time, I don't treat it like any huge authority anymore because it's led me astray many times. What do, what do you think about that? Well, one of the things I was facing in the, in the prison was that all those inmates wanted something to relieve themselves of the burden of being there. And if they could weasel the psychiatrist for anything, they would do it. Yeah. So I had to find a way to figure out who was faking to be crazy so they could get drugs to, to calm themselves down or put themselves to sleep and who was actually crazy. And that came from the study of the voices. You know, so somebody who, doesn't have any experience with voices will not have the right answers. You know, so I could tell them that way. Now in the prison survival, I mean, both political and, and with, with patients heavily relied on intuition, you know, who can you trust and how much, because very, very few of the staff could you fully trust, you know, you were always, everybody was always being hit in the back. You know, and and it was it was like uh, you, you had to have your radar out. You know, you almost had to put something out there to see who brought it, where it came from, and who brought it back. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. and that's one thing when I when I left the prison and I was doing uh, contracting with the emergency rooms in the hospitals around town, I wouldn't get hit in the back, and I was always expecting it. 
you know, it's kind of like, uh, okay, who's going to hit me? Where, where are they? You know, where, where are they? It, <laughs> it was like this went on for months, you know, mm -hmm. expecting to be stabbed in the back and it just wasn't happening. I mean, there's a work site you can work at and you're not going to get stabbed in the back. You know? <laughs> uh, and that happened with both prisoners and staff. So, you know, I've got a, a pretty sharply defined radar for whether I'm being scammed or not. Right. You know, Cause not only was I working with, you know, sociopaths, I was working with psychotic sociopaths and a lot of the staff in the prison were sociopaths or psychopaths. I mean, it was well, a very right. negative place. I mean, it's hell on earth and it was yeah. ruled by these voices. I mean, nothing good happened there that wasn't punished. Wow. Whoa. And that was the question that uh, Channel News just asked. What's the difference between soci sociopathy and schizophrenia? Is that just a label thing? Well, uh, yeah, you, you can be a sociopath and be in more control than with the schizophrenic. It's, mm. it's, a, it's a matter of control. I see. I see. So, that, so this whole thing is a continuum. It, it, goes from, yeah, so it goes from what we consider normal, but mm -hmm. all of us are being hit. Exactly. You know, all, all, all the way to schizophrenics who are totally out of control and totally run by the voices. Right. You know, and, right. And it's a, it's a continuum. Yeah. And, and, and people need to wake up to this. I mean, these things are around us all the time. They're attacking us all the time. They feed off of negative emotional energy. And you look at what's happened politically right now. We're all locked up. These people are smothering themselves with these face masks that they've been told there's no good whatsoever. I mean, they're like sheep. They just believe anything they're said. And this, this virus is no worse than a, a regular flu, except mm -hmm. for people my age and here's babies with this stuff on and I mean, I people are just they, they, whatever they're told they believe it's ridiculous i mean yeah, yeah they're in a trance absolutely they're in a trance uh, mm -hmm. this this stuff has to be stood up to the mm -hmm. if if somebody's going to recover from this they have to want to recover and they have to be willing to fight now you were talking about these exorcists that can get rid of these things yeah they can get rid of them i wonder how long that lasts because if you don't change the way you think and get on a positive spiritual path that these things can't they don't like I mean, mm -hmm. they hate churches. They hate people who are positive. They they hate people, the families. They 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 hate anything that's positive and and loving. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. if you don't get on that path, and 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 the the exorcist gets rid of these, it, it's like the Bible says. You know, you sweep out the house. If if you don't fill it with something else, it's gonna it's gonna get filled again with these these evil entities and i've seen that happen over and over and over again where we got rid of these things i told the prisoner what he had to do to keep them away and he didn't do it and he come back six months later and the voices are back you know i like what you you've said it a, a few times now and i totally subscribe to this that you know if you are fully engaged as a co-creator and you're putting your work out and you know, because you don't, you can't always be troubleshooting the demons. Like that, that isn't that isn't a, a life worth living for one. And I don't think it actually is going to get you ahead. But what does get you ahead is when you when you create your own life, right? And I I can see this the the trajectory of it that when I'm super engaged in creating my life, uh, almost no attacks come my way. I don't even get as much spam. The emails don't make it through to me when I'm super, you know, putting my stuff out, putting my stuff out. And then if I, I don't want to say if I lax back because it, it, of course it comes in waves, but I feel like I'm way more vulnerable 
Yes. When I'm not creating my life. And I, and I have that exact saying, like create your life or someone else will. Right. Boredom is, is it's like an open door to them. Right. You know, if you're bored and you're not occupied, they'll take over. Like you said, they'll take over for you. They'll mm -hmm. go, Oh, you're not occupied. We'll occupy you. There you right. go. Start hit, start using these drugs, hang out with these dummies, you know, just uh, sit around and watch TV all day. Uh, yeah. You know, mm -hmm. it, mm -hmm. it's, and, and, and watching your thoughts. I mean, I do that constantly. I mean, yeah. constantly, because if you don't, and I watched what happens if you don't, I mean, you, you, all of a sudden you, you, your mind fills with all this garbage. Like what if this happens mm -hmm. or, or what do I do if this situation comes about? And it's all negative junk and mm -hmm. it's not even real. Mm -hmm. You know, it's mm -hmm. not even a factor. It's, right. it's if it might happen and the chances of it happening are probably pretty slim. So if you, like you said, if you don't, occupy your own mind and take charge of your own thinking and, and your direction, these things will come and they'll take care of it for you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, Eric said, that's why the Bible warns against being idle. Yeah. Yes, I, I exactly. Believe that's very true. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. exactly. It's and very dangerous. Mm -hmm. uh, and having said that, I also noticed that if people run and they do their work from a place of fearing to you know, get caught by whether it's the boredom or the demons or or their life or their past, then I feel like that also is another fast road to hell. Yes, right. If it, you're it, it, allowing it attracts them, and it attracts them exactly. At the moment you're still, you because you need stillness, right? That's food too. You you must be still. You must be quiet at times. Oh, if you're forcing yourself to, that's that's not a, a good thing. Mm -hmm. But yeah, to, they don't want you to be quiet. They don't mm -hmm. want you to be peaceful. They, they don't want you to, to just be in the present. Mm -hmm. that, that's, that's not something they want. They're, if you look at them, they're like fishermen. They have access to your entire memory. They'll bait the hook with some rotten thing that you did in your past. And they'll go, oh, she's getting too peaceful. Here, let's uh, cast this in there, see if she'll bite on this. Mm -hmm. You know, so, whew. well, no, she didn't, she didn't bite on that one. She's done that, that issue. Well, how about this one? And they mm -hmm. cast it again until they got you. And you mm -hmm. react to it. And once mm -hmm. you react negatively to it and start spinning it over and over and, oh, why did I do that? I shouldn't have done that. Da, da, da. that they're feeding off of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, and they're feeding off of all this turmoil that they're causing right now in the macrocosm. They're yeah. feeding off of all this fear. This is a, this is a uh, feast for them. And mm -hmm. it, it's a worldwide feast. Yeah. I know the biggest feast ever. Well, except for war. Right. You know, World War II might have been a bigger one, the Civil War, you know, some of these other ones. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm, yeah, mm -hmm. they're after control of you and this planet. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And and it's just a small number of these people who are rich and, and have a lot of control, Soros being one of them. You know, I don't know why that guy's still walking around free. He's mm -hmm. probably the biggest enemy of the human race that's ever come around. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yep. No, and they just erased the ability to, uh, what was it on Amazon? Now, I got, so I get a package and uh, whomever, the delivery person stole two thirds of the content or lost them or, you know, who knows what happened. That I, I ordered three, I only got one. And the box is two thirds empty. So it's pretty clear, right? 
And uh, and then you go on their website now, and it used to be a simple click of a button to say, actually, this order didn't work out. You'd get an instant refund. There'd be a certain, um, they would actually trust you to return stuff. Now it's like nowhere to be found. You can't do that anymore. And it's a whole big runaround. So I'm actually like, to, to get my money back now, I'm probably going to have to spend the same amount of money <laughs> running around. And, you know, like, it's just, it, it's, it's a sign of, it, you know, and they're making us more and more dependent on the stupid online shopping, which I, I, you know, I don't ultimately mind, but now it's so hard to go shopping anywhere. I know it's going to take me three times as long as it normally would. And then they start making it uh, less friendly online, right? It's it, the whole thing is demonic. Yeah, you look what Google is doing, you know, banning searches, uh, shadow banning people. And, and then recently, just the other day, they were bragging about knocking the Federalists offline, you know, a, a, a right wing newspaper. Or, and and that, the Congress got wind of that and, and they're after them now. So, you know, when, when you have corporations that are that big controlling the narrative, they're controlling the race. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if people don't wake up and do something about this, I mean, we're constantly being programmed by the television, by the Amazon, by the, the internet, and they're, and they're, they're slowly strangling the internet, you know, know. The, taking, you know, channels down that they don't like. I mean, mm -hmm. they're interfering with free speech and free thought and, and it's a more a control mechanism. It's, it's a dark forces slowly like a boa constrictor. You know, if we don't fight back against it, they're going to just crush us. I know. I know. I was uh, giving a um, Manitoba Hydro person a hard time. For some reason, they're always doing work right on my corner. And I, every time I see them pull up, I go out and I ask them, what are you guys doing? What are you installing? Oh, another pole. Why do, why do all the poles in this right beside me need to be replaced right now? I don't know. Thanks, Chester, by the way. I appreciate that phone number. And uh, so I go and I ask him and, and I started pressing. He was, he was going, oh, well, you know, it's just my company and I, this, is, this is just my job and it's really nothing about me. And I said, well, actually your company will be complicit because all of those uh, 5G people that are, oh, damn, I might've ruined this video, but all of those people that are gonna install this technology are going to be your client. And I realized you're not responsible, but by you working for them, there's a certain tacit uh, consent going on about this. And then I evoked the demon. Then he starts attacking me and, you know, was angry at me and I couldn't, I couldn't recover from it. I had to walk away. It was like, I didn't, I didn't uh, obviously handle that very well. Do you think, is that, is that a, a kind of entry point for a demon like that? He got pushed up against a wall and. You yeah, think so? he, he knew what he was doing. You know they're they're going they're they're putting up that 5G all over Britain I think and and people are burning down those uh, those sites they're burning down the poles they're destroying it mm -hmm. you know? and and you know the 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 people who know military who know microwaves they know it does damage to you I mean mm -hmm. it it does it does damage especially to females with their eggs I mean mm -hmm. it's it's mutating the eggs who, yeah. who knows what's going to happen in the future generations and then you see all these reports saying oh yeah the uh, fertility rate in the u.s has dropped precipitously oh, i wonder why that is yeah exactly uh, so oh, yeah. what makes all of this work worth it for you jerry that's obviously a lot of hardship you've been through many attacks a lot of negative experiences 
What makes it worth it, it for you? Yeah, yeah, it's 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 very draining. It's very dark. It's uh, you know, it's it's like having to do repeated dives back into the dark to bring up into the light what's going on. And I th- I think the main thing, as Sherry and I were talking about this yesterday, mm-hmm. you know, is is to how much time that both of us have spent bringing up this dark stuff so people can see it. And, and it's just a lot of time, you know, and she said, I just want to slow down and, and just live my life in a positive manner, not have to deal with this stuff. And, and, and I don't want to do so many interviews and, and I just want to grow my garden and, and just live in peace and not have to deal with this and, and, constantly be telling these stories and yeah it, it wears on you it, it, it really does uh, it's, it's like having to dive back down into it every time mm-hmm. you know and relive it every time and and the only thing that really makes it worth it is the feedback i get from people from these kind of interviews mm-hmm. waking up you know waking up oh i already i suspected for years that this was what was going on now i know it is and the nurses coming up and saying yeah i always thought it was this and and now i know it, it's this and 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 uh, you know what do i do about it but and, and then i get in, inundated with email so here's here's like more stuff uh, negative stuff that okay here's what you do and that's why we we put out this book you know yes please talk for, about your book absolutely for you know if if you're dealing with this stuff if you have a family member who has hears voices this will tell you all about what it is how it came about and what to do about it you know so you can get this on amazon and and that's one of the reasons we wrote it for all the hundreds of families i've seen over the years just coming in totally desperate what's going on with my son what's going on with my daughter what's going on with my husband i don't understand it it's i'm scared they're they're scaring me they're doing crazy stuff um and and the doctor's just going well they're nuts here take this medicine and and go away you Hmm. know there is a cure for it. I mean, it, it takes work. It takes a different mindset. You have to understand what these things are, how they operate, that they're not hallucinations as psychiatry and the pharmaceutical industry wants you to believe and is putting out all this false propaganda as to what they are and, and telling the medical schools to teach that they're hallucinations. They're not hallucinations. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. So that's the main thing that, that keeps me going is, is knowing that I'm helping people and getting this information out there. And, and I wish there was some way I could do it faster, but there's the mainstream media isn't going to touch this with a 10-foot pole. None of the academic journals are going to touch this. The pharmacology people are going to put it down. Uh, you know, it, it's like a constant wearying uphill battle. I hear you. So we have really amazing people in this Uh, chat and on this video. And I would love to appeal to you guys to I'm just going to share the link here to share this video. And uh, also, I've shared links to Jerry's website and uh, his books are there. If you can help him get the word out, because I know this is, uh, like he just said, an uphill battle that we can certainly help him fight. Because honestly, King Heroes need a lot of support. That's what inspires me to do this podcast in the first place that uh, they're willing to assume so much responsibility and go on the front lines and do this demon slaying and, uh, and they definitely need our support. And, oh, that's beautiful, flat earth head, Walt. 
<laughs> he shared and liked it. That's lovely. Thank you so much. Um, I'd love to ask you one or maybe two more questions if you still have time. Sure. Uh, and it's one is to do, and I'm not sure if this is relevant or not. I haven't seen it in, in your work or anything like that, but have you noticed any kind of a difference in the masculine and the feminine? I work with those archetypes without even knowing it. It became a very central subject in the book that I wrote called Journey, the map of archetypes that are the hero's journey. And seeing how differently women and men play out the hero's journey, they they have different struggles, they have different gifts along the path. And of course, they are the perfect complement to to each other, the, the men and the women, but, but even those archetypes, the masculine and the feminine, so much so that they're not even really separate. They're, they're a movement of, of one energy. And do you notice a difference when it comes to demonic possession with the male and female? Is, is, are there different expressions? Uh, I, for one, I, t I trust females more than I do males. <laughs> I mean, that's, I guess that's the way I was brought up. But uh, I found that for the most part, females aren't as physically violent, okay. you know, although they can be. They're more mentally violent. Right. You know? Right. Not, not to say that they can't be physically violent as, as far as, you know, the, the ones that are psychotic. Mm -hmm. um, they, they tend to be more mentally violent and less physically, where the males are much more physically violent, mm -hmm. you know, and, and uh, not to say the, the females can't, you know, cut you to pieces and make you bleed mentally. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they can be vicious that way. Um, wow. That's one of the biggest differences I've seen between female psychotic patients and, and male psychotic patients is, is the violence. And the demons themselves, do they ever display a masculine or feminine kind of a quality? Like, is there, have you, have you run across like a female demon in a man's body or vice oh, versa? Oh yeah, sure. Lots of times. Matter of right. fact, I, I ask them, you know, how many, how many voices are they hearing? Which ones are female and which ones are male? Mm -hmm. There we go again. Um, and, and a lot of times they'll tell you, well, the, a number of times anyway, where the, the, a male would, I remember this one in the prison, um, he had a female that never spoke to him, but just would touch him all over and, and would have sex with him all the time. And that's the first time I ever heard of that. I've heard of it many times since then, but this was the first time. And I was like, what? <laughs> you know, and that's one thing about this work. There was always something strange that would pop up. And, and I wouldn't ever believe just the first time it popped up. But when it came up repeatedly, then I'd start asking about it, you know, to see how prevalent it was. And this was the first time I heard this. And I told him, I said, uh, well, you, you're going to be the, you know, the, you got to be the luckiest man on the prison yard with all these sex slave uh, starved males he goes no 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 it's not like that it's like when it's all the time constantly no matter where you go no matter what you're doing this thing is is getting on you mm -hmm. you know and it's, torture. It, it's, it's yeah it's torture it's not fun anymore and and what what surprised me i mean this thing never spoke to him he just felt it wow. and then when he was given antipsychotic drugs it actually went away mm, interesting yeah, i found that interesting too mm-hmm yeah, it's uh, that that energy of lust is really like we did oh. we glorify it right now. Uh, a friend of mine showed me a few videos like Miley Cyrus and stuff, and it's just lust is so intensely glorified. But there, 
there is it, it is extremely low energy Yes. It is like I'm, I have no, no beef with sexuality, but lust is different. And when somebody's coming at you with lust, it's an attack. And it doesn't even matter if you you're like trying to attract that energy. You know, it it it, it it's an attack. It's an energetic attack. Yes. When someone lusts for you, so uh, that would not be pleasant. Absolutely. And um, it's the same way with females. I, I spoke to one female uh, in the ER where she was being attacked by a male. Mm -hmm. And she had to go, she worked in a furniture store. She was their top saleswoman. She had to go in the back into the warehouse until the attacks were over. And then she could come, eventually she had to quit her, her job and ended up in the ER. Wow. wow. So yeah, there, there's, there's male and there's female. Sometimes it's all male. Sometimes it's all female, but a lot of times there's a mixture of males and female voices, you know, and, and sometimes they can't tell the difference, but yeah, they're both, you know, mm -hmm. they're both. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Wow, fascinating! Uh, just so you know that um, Walt from Flat Earth, uh, not from uh, from Ironworks Media, is inviting you to an interview as well. He's an amazing, amazing um, uh, interviewee, uh, interviewer. Oh, pardon me, not interviewee. <laughs> great. Yeah, um, yeah. I just, yeah, I don't know if he has my email address or he. I will connect or you how guys. to reach him. Yeah, I'll I'll connect you guys if you like. Yeah. Oh yeah, great. Yeah. Yeah, he's got two shows, both um, Have No Sphere. I was just on that one and uh, and then Ironworks as well. So, yeah. Now, the last question I'd love to ask is, how would you advise others? I don't know, you know, are there demon slayers such as yourself out there and you're looking for a way to uh, be able, you know, gain your bravery to do this kind of work or you just, you see yourself in, in Jerry in terms of his ability to get out and... Uh, you know, on behalf of so many other people that are not brave enough to do this work are doing it, what, what advice would you give them? Well, I, I think to learn what first, what we're putting out, you know, in, in the book and, and on the website, we have a lot more information on the website to, so they understand what they're facing, what they're, you know, how these things work mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and what they're dealing with. You have to know your enemy. You know, mm -hmm. if, if you don't know what, what, what it is or what it's capable of doing, it's, it's going to tear you to pieces. You know, it's kind, of, it's kind of like being in a dark room full of rattlesnakes. You know, it, it, you, can, you can try to ignore them, but eventually you're going to get bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'm hearing a theme there. It's like know yourself. Pay attention to your own thoughts. Right, because they will invade those thoughts. Right, right. And then know your enemy at the same time. Right. Yeah. Beautiful. I love it. Wow. This has been extremely enlightening, Jerry. Thank you so much for joining me for this interview. I have posted your website a few times, jerrymarzinski.com. His books are there. If anybody in this world, I know there's actually a, a ton of people's, uh, people with channels. If you're interested to interview Jerry, feel free to contact me at uh, beth at bethmartins.com or at my website. Just hit any contact form there. I'm happy to introduce you to uh, to connect. Once again, if you haven't shared this video and uh, people haven't heard Jerry's story, then I invite you to do that. And uh, if you'd like to visit me to look into your own, um, you know, I, I don't use the language of demons, but frankly, it's it really just feels like exactly the same thing, that when you're dealing with an unconscious archetype, maybe just a, a language difference, then it feels like you are 
your enemy and you run into nothing but enemies out there. So if that's what you're experiencing at a, at a, at a subtle level or, or at a gross level, sometimes it's really subtle and you can't even say it because everybody thinks you're crazy for that, then I won't think you're crazy. Definitely put up your hands and, uh, and connect with me. <clears throat> you can do an archetype quiz at my website in less than 10 minutes. You can discover, Hey, Jerry, did you do, did you do the quiz? You did, didn't you? I did, but I don't know if it came out. I, I think I oh. got an error message or oh, darn. Uh, I'm not sure. You know, okay. I did do it and, and send it in. And then I, I think I saw an error message, but I, I wasn't sure. Okay. Yeah. I actually didn't see your, your uh, form come through. So, so that's too bad, but uh, maybe another time. And I'll certainly have you on the channel again, if there's anything that you want to talk about, feel free to reach out. Well, we, we can actually go through one of these cases and point out, you know, point by point, the voice is actually speaking to one of these patients. So that puts you right in the seat so you can see how they, how they interact, you know, how, how they control an individual. Mm -hmm. That'd be fascinating. Is it something you think you can do now or would it, uh, would it be a, a lengthy Process, well, we uh, for? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's going to be a lengthy type thing, but mm -hmm. I, I can I can read the first part with the, the marijuana thing here. Um, for sure. Okay, so, uh, he said, uh, I asked him the question, you must have known uh, by then that listening to the voices was getting you in trouble. Uh, did you try to do anything about it after he, he beat his dad halfway to death for for beating his mother. He said, yes, in order to cope with them, I would I'd, uh, turn to using alcohol and drugs, which is what they want you to do. Mm -hmm. you know, once you start using alcohol and drugs, you know, marijuana doesn't have that nasty withdrawal effect that causes misery. All these other drugs do. So you right. get addicted to heroin or cocaine, the withdrawal is excruciating and they feed off of that negative emotional energy that it causes. Alcohol is the same way. Every ounce you drink, there's a there's a 10 hour withdrawal where you're nervous and jittery. Um, he said, after I attacked my dad, uh, I was close to being old enough to drink legally, but drinking did not do as good a job as controlling the voices with smoking weed. Mm. All right. Mm. And that's mm. not the first time I heard that. He said, when I smoked dope, I would calm down. When the weed didn't hold, hold them any longer, hold the voices down any longer, I started drinking. I finally got to the point where I could hardly sleep. And for weeks at a time, <clears throat> that made things a whole lot worse. Now, these things do the same thing to these, these patients as the Army does to prisoners of war. It tortures them, keeps them awake, uh, deprives them of food, deprives them of sleep. I mean, it's the exact same thing. I mean, um, he said that the, the voices deprived him of sleep for weeks. Um, so once he started using drugs, he got in a whole lot more trouble. But uh, what I can do is, is send you this transcript. Well, you already got it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Read, read it over and, and formulate questions. And then we'll do this again. Uh centered around this thing so people can actually see what it's like to work with a, a, a violent psychotic who is controlled by the voices and, okay. and actually see the patterns. I mean, see the patterns for themselves. We can point those patterns out at different points in the transcript. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, the pattern recognition is a key to a big part of that key to freedom. Absolutely. And you're getting so many props here. Everybody's really enjoyed this interview. Jerry's spot on, Red Fox, thanks for that. 
Well, spread the word because uh, this stuff has got to get out. If, if, if People have to know that this is what's going on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's, you know, spread it, spread the word. Yeah. Yeah. Amen to that. All right. Kelly, thanks for that. I can't wait for the next show as well. And um, actually, I'm going to be on Sunday with Red Fox. We haven't set an exact time yet, but so you can, if I don't uh, come on spontaneously before then, that will be our next scheduled show. And uh, Jerry, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for your work. Thanks for your bravery. And uh, I just send you a lot of love and all the support of this community. So can't wait to have you on again. Well, thank you. I look forward to coming on again with an actual case that you can actually see what's going on in this guy's head. Very good. Thank you to everyone who's joined in the chat. I, your your presence is greatly appreciated and considered divine. So thank you, everyone. I look forward to seeing you the next time. Bye for now. All right. Bye-bye.